This is a miracle. And we see it over and over and over. I'm like, how come we don't see those kind of things? We do. We just don't see them because they become commonplace. And that's actually, I'll be honest with you, that's actually kind of cool. That's actually kind of a, kind of a neat thing. Jesus sent out his guys in pairs to neighborhoods, which is what, what, what Pete is about to embark on, right? And he has been embarking on it. But he sends his guys out. They come back. They're like, wow, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. And I imagine they said like, man, even the miracles and wow, many baptisms and wow, this and wow, that. And Jesus says, I saw, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Big freaking deal. Like, don't rejoice in those things. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. We've got to be thinking higher up here. It's kind of like Jesus saying, of course that happens. You've got the almighty God in you, with you, and through you. What did you expect? Just normal? Of course not. These are things that we see, and we wonder why sometimes we, like, I want us to be, like, appreciative of those miracles that happen. Yes, crazy, amazing healings, awesome. And yes, public proclamations of faith. faith, And yes, like, ears turning toward the voice of the shepherd. Absolutely, man. Those are things that are, are fantastic. But we shouldn't worship those things. We worship God that provides those things. Amen. In Acts... Start in, in chapter 2, one of the things that we find out is that the early church experienced a, a tremendous amount of growth. And there's several characteristics in the early church that if, if we emulate some of these characteristics, maybe we can set up a way that God has no problem blessing us with his people. One of the things we have said for a long time, if you walk out of this, uh, out of this church uh, sanctuary, in the very back, there's a question that is posed to everybody on a picture. And, and I want you to pay special attention to that because here's the deal. It says, will it be us? Here's, here's why it asks us that question, will it be us? God will reach his people with or without you and me. Did you catch that? I fully expected some people to go, oh, yeah. So you can if you like. Thank you. God's going to reach people without, with or without you and me. Question is, is he going to be able to trust us with his people? See, the reason Shelby did what she did was because Jessica trusted God enough to share the gospel with Shelby for a while, right? And here's the thing. Jessica did not say, I have to change her. She trusted God to make any changes necessary. See, it's God that has the power. It's God that has to do. We just share. We just share the gospel with people. We invite people into this kingdom, into this battle, into this victory. But they can say yes or no. It's not up to us. And here's what happened in Acts 2, starting in verse 37. Peter had just, man laid down to the guys that did all these things to Jesus for you and for me. Jesus paid that price. But he just, with courage and boldness, says, you guys killed the Messiah. And listen to what happened. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome, right? For the promise is for you and for, chil for your children 
and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves, listen to this, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to, to the prayers. So they, so they learned together, right? They, they ate together. They got together and, and, and fellowshiped together, right? I, you know, I say this to myself a lot, but I don't say this publicly. If you struggle with getting together with other believers, because you're like, man, I want some me time, because sometimes me time turns into a me hour, and a me hour turns into a me day, and a me day turns into a me week, and then it's a, a me week turns into a me, me, want, me month, and a, a me month turns into a me year, and a, a me year turns into me me rest of my life. I'm just going to hang by myself, because I really don't want to be around other Christians. I suggest, this may not be the case, I never say never, and I always try to avoid the word always, right? But one of the things that we've got to be careful of, that we got to check our heart, check our spirit. If we don't want to be around other Christians, we may not be battling and fighting the way God has called us to battle and fight. Because if we're battling... Now, I'm not talking about battling people. I'm talking about actually fighting for the souls of people. And you're going to hear all that stuff we talked about earlier. If you don't want to get with other people that are doing this with you, you may not be doing it right. Amen? If you, if you say, ah, just... Now, I'm not saying you can't have some times by yourself. I'm not saying that. Please don't hear me. But if you like, I don't like other people around me that are believers. I just want to be left alone. I just want to hang out by myself. Guys, check your heart in this. You may not be battling the way you need to be battling. One of the reasons why we like to get people together in their homes and in the temple like they did in the first century, number one, we want to do what the first century church does as closely as possible, not because of what they did, but because they love Jesus a whole, whole bunch, right? But the second thing is, we want to encourage one another in this fight that we're fighting like, to, like together. Like we want to say, you fight, like how cool would it be to finally get together with people at least once a week and go, wow, finally, I, I, other people that think like me, other people that are battling like me, other people that are tired like me, other people that can encourage me and I can encourage them. Like, how exciting is that? It's amazing. And this is what, they, what we found out the early church did. Verse 43. Then fear came over everyone. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. I'm going to give you a pause here for just a second. Because one of the things that people say, well, well what about this fear? Like, I thought we were supposed to not be afraid. Listen. This is not a, an unhealthy, unsinly, un, un, or, or sinful, ungodly fear. A fear of God, a natural understanding, a fearfulness of God is not something we're like, oh, God's going to spite me, and oh, God's going to hurt me, and oh, oh, God, if I step out a little bit of line, he's going to squash me like a bug. But, but a healthy fear, knowing that God genuinely loves you, genuinely is your biggest fan, creates you in his image, wants to see you victorious in your life, wants to see you filled with joy, peace, patience, kindness, love. I mean, all those kind of things. And wants to have you have this 
pace in your life that is incredibly beautiful and wonderful, but knowing that he can squash you like a bug is a healthy fear, right? We know he can, we also know he don't want to. It's kind of a neat thing. And so this fearfulness isn't like, oh man, this, this weird, weird way of looking at my dad's just going to be an a authoritarian. Now, yes, he does have authority, but he's not authoritarian. Yes, he, he does have power, but he doesn't exert and wield that power to, to squash you. He wants you victorious, but victorious his way, amen. Fear came over any, everyone. And they sold their possessions and property and, and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. I, I want you to understand this preaches really well when, when somebody says, you know, they sold all their possessions and they all lived together in this big commune and, and they all did this and they all did that. Actually, it does not say that. That sounds more like a cult to me. That's what cults do. Some big leader comes up and says, okay, sell all your possessions. Let's all, let's all put it into this bank account, which happens to have my name on it. And, and let's all live together and that kind of thing and drink some Kool-Aid. That's what that sounds like to me. What actually happened was these people sold their possessions, but not all their possessions. It never says they sold all their possessions. They had all things in common, but they did not sell all their possessions they sold some of their possessions, and anyone who had a need, they gave it to people freely as, as needed. Like, we can't feel this pressure to be the first century church and somehow think that they, because I hear people say this all the time, that, oh, these people all lived in the same little commune, little house, and that kind of thing. They sold everything they had, and they just put it all in one place, and then they ate from that, right? doesn't say that. I think people get this confused with Jesus and the rich young ruler, where the rich young ruler comes and says, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And he says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. That's not what they did here. Amen. So don't feel this pressure of, of having, okay, well, I guess I got to sell my house and I got to sell my cars and I got to sell my this and I got to sell my this. And by the way, I'm going to show you that biblically right here. Every day they devoted themselves, verse 46, to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. How many people have said, well, the early church just met in homes? No, it says they met in the temple complex and in house to house. Back up a little bit. There's no way if people sold their houses, they could meet in house to house. Figure that out, right? So they met in house to house. They met in the temple complex. They met in their homes, and they still own their homes, how could they do that if they sold everything? I think it's just neat. A lot of times when we look at Scripture in full context, we'll figure it out. So many times people are like, I just don't understand Scripture. Well, sometimes you got to read it and just look at it, what it actually says. It's kind of neat. And by the way, there are great little tools you can use to, to go deeper into these things like Blue Letter Bible. We can look at the original Greek language and that kind of thing. You can go look for yourself what it actually says in the first century culture language, that kind of thing. It's kind of neat, kind of neat. They ate their uh, every day. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God. And listen to this, having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. 
and all God's people said, amen. So here's the deal. There are several characteristics of this new church that, first, that it, a God felt comfortable adding to their people. He says, I trust you, this church, with my people. Number one, they had an awe of God and his power. They were an absolute awe of God and his power. Number two, they learned together. They, had a, they, they sincerely wanted to know and understand God more and more and more. Number three, they saw miracles. And they were witness of miracles, right? And we shouldn't be afraid of miracles. And we shouldn't be, but we also, they didn't worship miracles. They were like, wow, we saw this stuff. And, 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 and they saw the power of God exhibited like, like physically in their presence. They were extremely generous. There was a generosity that these folks had that is unlike anything in the culture of the day and frankly, very rare in our culture today as well where people saw things as not belonging to themselves but to God. They met in homes and in the temple regularly. They didn't just say, well, I just want to meet in homes and well, I just want to meet. They, they, there were so many people that got added. There ain't no way 3,000 people are going to meet in somebody's house. Now, I, I know there's some really, really big houses in Kansas City. I don't know any of them that can meet I had 3,000 3, 3, people could meet in one house. Amen? Take me, I'm wrong. I probably shouldn't say things like that. Well, well there is a house on the corner of this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always wrong. I always got to correct myself the next week anyway, right? They ate together. They ate together. They had meals together. I wonder if they had pizza in the first century. Yes, let's just say yes. Yep, they've been a, all right, cool. They got cave drawings and stuff. And <laughs> they enjoyed one another. They enjoyed one another. By the way, why wouldn't God trust people, new people to go to this place, right? To go to these people when they're doing all this kind of stuff. How fun is that? Had somebody this morning just say, you know, this place, it was a first-time visitor. They said, this place is fun. I said, it should be. It's the most exciting, most amazing thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. We get to win. We get to go to heaven. How fun is it? How, how fun is that? They enjoyed one another. They had humility, which, by the way, you never know if you have humility. You ever figure that out? You know, Matt Miller, the pastor that founded New City over in Shawnee, said, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book called Humility and How I Achieved It, right? <laughs> you never know. You're not supposed to know. You're like, yeah, okay, I'm always pursuing humility. But if you're like, yeah, I'm one of the hum most humble people I know, uh, you might have an issue with that. They were joyful, right? They were joyful. <laughs> they enjoyed being with each other, and they enjoyed being with God, and they had joy in, in general. And, and here's the cool thing that I think we miss when we read that passage. The community was better because they were in it, and the community knew it. They gained favor among people. Guys, we have tremendous opportunities this month, starting this Friday with Frontier Days, next week with Farmer's Market? Yes, Farmer's Market next week. Following week, July 3rd. We got tons of stuff going on that we could help the community understand and actually introduce God to some people that don't know who he is. One of my passages that if I had a life verse, I would use this as my life verse. But I don't have a life verse. I just say the Bible's my life verse. But anyway, Isaiah 66 too. How many of us want God's favor? 
No lying in church. If you didn't raise your hand, I'm assuming you do not want God's favor. So I only saw two of you. No, I'm just kidding. People are like, God. But everybody wants God's favor. If, if, unless we're crazy or unless we don't believe in God or, or whatever. But here's what God said. And here are, here's a promise that he said. He said, number one, he establishes his authority and his power in Isaiah 66 two. God said to the prophet Isaiah, my hand made all these things. And so they came into being. And this is the Lord's declaration. I will promise, I will look favorably on this kind of person. Three characteristics. One who is humble. One who is submissive in spirit. And one who trembles at my word. Guys, let me tell you, this is very rare even in the Christian world. To have all three of these characteristics. There are some people that tremble at his word but are not very humble. Some people that are submissive but are not really trembling at the word. Some people that may have one, like maybe even have two of those characteristics but not the other. It is extremely rare it, like to actually have favor. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about God set showing favor to someone. To where they turn around and go, wow, God, I can't believe you actually did that. Hey, if you're struggling with, with hearing from God and, and, and praying to God for certain things and things like that, man, we got to check our hearts. Like when we start thinking about oh, God will answer every prayer that I have and that kind of thing, it's only pre, like, precursed by, by you having a heart that aligns with God. And he says, I show favor to the humble, submissive, those who are submissive ultimately to me and submissive to other people, and tremble at my word. Guys, it's rare. But if we want his favor, these are the characteristics he says I'll show favor to. Amen. So collectively as a church, what does it look like if we're humble and submissive and trembling at his word and have a healthy fear and an awe of God and we enjoy one another's company and we eat together and we make the community better because we're in it and the community knows it? How can we be a church that God wants to grow and bless? By the way, this is incredible what has happened here in Edgerton. You talk to the people from 10 years ago that said, God, Good luck, because we were a dying church with eight people, and we're running 150 between the two services now. Hallelujah, right? I love it. It's fantastic. But does God want to stop there? I don't know if he does. That's his choice. But does he trust us to add more people? One of my favorite lines of, a, of all, you know, I, I listen to coaches, and I listen to sometimes motivational speakers, as long as they're believers and that kind of thing, too. I I like to listen, but Les Brown said something that is probably my favorite quote of all time. It is better to be prepared and not have the opportunity than it is to have the opportunity and not be prepared. Let's prepare ourselves. And here's what we do. We want to, number one, fear God. We want to meet in our homes and in the temple complex. We want to be generous. We want to study and eat together. We want to enjoy one another, and that, that ain't a fake until you make it. You either enjoy or you don't, right? We want to gather here in the church. We want to gather in the homes. We want to bless the community. And guys, we want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We're not talking about putting somebody in a Bible study. I'm talking about, like, yes, baptizing people and then teaching them to be obedient. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. First step is baptism. Next step is learning to 
what he commanded. That's why we study. Here's what I want you to do. One of the things I do not want any of us to do is to have an abide time. Because an abide time means, abide itself means to remain and stay. If you're staying with Jesus, that's, what, that's our goal, right? But there are intimate moments where you're reading, praying, studying that it's, that it's, that it's quiet, if you will. And it's you and, and there's a, it's a very close time. During that time that you're having with the Lord this week, I want you to ask yourself one question. Where do I start? And let him tell you. Because sometimes we think I should start there, I should start there. It's really God's job to tell us where to start. So if he's saying you need to up your generosity, you need to see things as mine instead of yours, maybe that's where you start. Maybe you just need to... Uh, intentionally enjoy people. Decide, by the way, that is a decision, isn't it? It's like many times people say, hey, have joy. It's not a, just a feeling you get and tell oh, if I feel like I'm going to. No, man, this is a decision that we make. Do I or don't, or don't I? It's kind of like if you're commanded to love, love isn't an emotion. Love is a decision for other people. Maybe it's I need, to, I need to study and, and, and eat together with other people. Maybe I need to have people over to my house. Maybe I need to in, accept that invitation over to somebody else's house, right? And maybe I need to decide to love others and love God before I love myself. Sounds weird. Sounds counterintuitive. This is biblical. Amen? Father, we love you. We're amazed in humbled, and in all of your power, ultimately. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the call to reach your people. Thank you, Lord, for doing the things you've called us to do. And even wanting, like even wanting us to do it, Lord, we are. I saw somebody say on, on social media this week, you are enough, right? I, not, not talking about you, God, talking about like we as people, we are enough. We're, we're nothing without you. I mean, how, you, you expand the air in our lungs. You hold the universe together. You, you hold every atomic particle together. You create gravity, create magnetism, create light. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I need one of those pedals. I'm now finished with my prayer, Lord. We do love you, Lord, Lord. Thankful that we get to worship in a place that is fun. That takes you very seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. Thank you that this is a place where we can have a wonderful, joyous, amazing time in you. And may we do that and decide to do that together, both individually and collectively as a body of believers. We are a family, Lord. And may we be the kind of family that you trust with new family members as we reach the lost you've called us to reach. We thank you, we trust you, and we ask you in, in your son Jesus' name. Everybody in the house said, and everybody on Facebook Live said, amen. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship 
worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in on mist. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Come on, church. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, that is who you are, Lord. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, that is who you are. Church Jesus, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is. 